Hey, 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 welcome in to the show. I'm Brendan Schaefer, joining you here from West Palm Beach, Florida, after another day at St. Louis Cardinals camp. The day is, what day is it, Tuesday? Yeah, it's Tuesday, February 18th, 2020, as we kick off another episode of B-Shafe Daily. Welcome into the show, glad you're with me, excited to talk today about the goings-on at Cardinals camp. A little bit of a mixed bag, though, if you're a Cardinals fan, as today came the confirmation of the realization that Miles Michaelis is not going to be ready for the start of the regular season. Remains to be seen exactly how long Michaelis will be out, but Mike Schilt confirmed this morning that Michaelis will receive another PRP injection to attempt to alleviate the concern and the soreness found currently within his right forearm. It's the flexor tendon. Mike Schultz says it's still not anything related to the elbow, the UCL, that would set off the alarm bells for Tommy John surgery, but it's not something at this point that Michaelis is going to pitch through like he did last season when... You know, he had some numbers that weren't Michaelis-esque if you consider the baseline to be what he did for the Cardinals back in his debut season in St. Louis of 2018 when he went over 200 innings, ERA around 2.8, was an all-star for the Cardinals, and then followed that up, you know, having earned the right to be the Cardinals' opening day starter in 2019. Last season didn't quite go as well for Michaelis, ERA of 4.16. And the Jupiter native had a record of 9-14 and last season. It was revealed that he had been pitching with this soreness in the flexor tendon in his right forearm, kind of up near the wrist area a little bit, as I understand it. So, so not as near to the elbow as uh, would give you, I think, more cause for concern for that being the case. But that that at this point, it's not something he can pitch through. Tried to do it last year, did so successfully, even had some success in the in the postseason which, as he you know, alluded to earlier this week when talking to the media, maybe gave you the idea that, okay, maybe it's something he could again continue to pitch through. But they gave him a PRP injection after last season ended. And I don't know that the, the proper terminology is to say that it didn't take, but essentially you know, the baseline that the Cardinals were looking at for Michaelis in his comfort or what they saw in the, the MRI that he received the progress wasn't what they had hoped it would be after that PRP injection and a prescription of rest and recovery for Michaelis and his offseason. So he comes in, he gets the MRI after feeling the soreness again crop up in his throwing session on Thursday. Saturday, he was off the schedule for throwing. They said, we'll give him a couple of days. And I think that, you know, fans are probably frustrated because they hear this go on all the time for the Cardinals. They say at first, well, we're just going to monitor and look a couple of days. When in reality, behind the scenes, they were already uh, working on the next steps and making decisions regarding what would take place. Because there was never a scenario, you know, that that would have matched up with exactly as they kind of said it, which I understand being vague first on about injuries, but it it does tend to kind of rub Cardinals fans the wrong way when you say, well, we'll reevaluate and see how he feels in a couple of days. When really, I don't think that was ever a possibility because in order to reevaluate, you'd have to have Michaelis throw a baseball again because he he specifically said he only feels this pain and soreness 
when he throws a baseball. He was talking about throwing his kids into the pool. He was talking about lifting weights. All these other things he can do doesn't affect him, but throwing a baseball is what does. And so you're not going to wait wait through Sunday and wait through Monday and then say, all right, throw a baseball again and see how you feel. Like It seems pretty clear that from the get-go, this was the likely scenario that they would they would go, the, the route that they would take to, to give him a second PRP injection. Mike Schultz says three to four weeks is, is how long he'll be down, which means he'll be three to four weeks not throwing a ball. So if he were good to go in four weeks, which from today, that would you're talking about mid-March basically at that point in time. If he was good to go from there, it would still take time for him to ramp up. He'd essentially be starting his spring training from ground zero in mid-March when everybody else would be a month along, you know, a little over a month along at that point in time. And so he's not going to ramp up from mid-March to the, you know, March 26th or April 1st. You really wouldn't need a full five starters for that first series in Cincinnati because there's a couple of off days baked in there. But for, for, for the sake of the opening day rotation, the starting season opening rotation, Michaelis would not be ready in time for that, even in a best-case scenario, as I see it. I just don't I don't think that is realistic at this point in time. It's, it's speculation on my part, but it's just kind of putting math together to say, okay, mid-March, even if everything goes perfectly with this, which how much confidence should we have that that's going to be the case after it's essentially – from what I can understand and from what Mike Schultz said, it's it's basically the same description of what they did already last offseason or at the end of the 2019 season, and it, it didn't improve the situation. Didn't worsen it, but it's not any better than it was. And so, and it was asked this morning of Schultz, what gives you reason to believe that it's going to be better? And I'll, let's just go ahead and do that. I'll play for you because I can get this audio. I'll just play for you what Schultz said this morning in response to the question, regarding why do the Cardinals have confidence in this course of action after what seems from the outsider's perspective to have been a similar course of action at the end of 2019 didn't exactly work out for Michaelis. Here's what Mike Schultz had to say in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I think, listen, it's more of a medical term, but I think there's some, some uh, there's a plan that's part of the plan. I think the plan's still evolving, quite candidly, Derek. Um, that's, you know, I feel comfortable this can be a, a part of a, getting a, an area that can... Uh, get to the point where we're eliminating what he's dealing with. So you heard that from Schilt, as I did, and it was Derek Gould that asked the question. And so it does sound like the plan is still evolving, so there certainly might be components to it that are, you know, different, a different approach, a different approach in recovery. I'm not a medical doctor, so it's I'm not going to sit here and speculate. But, it, you know, I think that's a fair question to say, if you got a PRP injection last time and it didn't turn out how you wanted and he had several months of the offseason, time with which he could rest up and recover to be ready for spring training, and it didn't work out, what would necessarily lead you to believe that three to four weeks would be enough time to then, this time around, with what seems to be a similar course of action, you know, this time, though, you think it's going to work differently. It certainly remains to be seen. I, I do feel like it's fair the way the Cardinals describe it to say it's not you know, a precursor necessarily to, you know, a Tommy John, which I know is, that's something that'll put you out 15 months, and that would be pretty significant and substantial. It doesn't necessarily feel like that's going to be the case, um, because it, from at least from what the Cardinals have said, it's not elbow-related as of this time. And so by doing what they're doing and hopefully getting out in front of it, it won't develop into that, because you could say it's not UCL-related, but if you're talking about 
you know, the, the arm and the tendons and the things, it, it, it all can be a chain reaction over time. We, we, we've seen this with other types of injuries for players. If you are, are pitching compromised and you're working through an injury and trying to manage that injury and, and you change your mechanics, that can be an easy way to then develop and, and have these, you know, what seem like minor injuries at first turn into, uh, the, you know, the Grim Reaper, the, the Tommy John that everybody would fear because you know you're losing at least a full season of a guy at that point. And for the Cardinals, you know, if that were the case and he needed it, it, it you know, you, you'd think, well, they could have done that last year. But as of right now, that's not the issue, and they're trying to prevent it from becoming that. But you'd hate to see, you know, you try and try, and then you develop, and then the injury worsens, and it moves to another area. It spreads to, to affect the other part of the body. And now suddenly, from, you know, dating back to last October, when they first started trying to manage an arm injury in general, you could say, wow, if he ended up, say, in June, it's like, oh, yep, it developed and we need a Tommy John. That would be talking about a total of, you know, probably two years from the initial situation to the end result of him being recovered. But as of right now, no reason necessarily to believe that is going to be the case. The Cardinals are being cautious. They're optimistic, it sounds like, that it's going to pan out. But uh, certainly, I, I don't. I don't think you see him before the month of May for sure. If we're talking about a, a, a dateline, because even if it goes well, we talked about mid March. You advance that timeline to okay, he's got to start throwing. That'll take a couple few weeks. Now the season's begun, and now you're going to have to probably wait for some rehab game opportunities to start. Uh, the minor league season usually kicks off a couple of weeks after the big league one does, and so we'd have to look at the schedule. But you'd figure. He would, you know, have to get into a game. It'd be like a spring training, and guys get several starts throughout spring training, and so he would then be doing that over the course of the regular season in the minors for some rehab assignments. So I would say you're not going to see him before May, and that would still be optimistic because it assumes that it takes this time and their course of action ends up being successful, whereas what they did the last time to address the same particular area was not successful. So that's the update on Miles Michaelis. Uh, Going to take a quick break, tell you about Anchor, and then we'll come right back. It'll be Kwang Young Kim time as we talk about KK's first day facing Major League hitters in the gauntlet that was thrown at him right off the bat the first time he sees big league players. Uh, sure, they're guys from his own team, but the group that he faced in live batting practice today, quite a few accomplishments between the three of them. I'll be right back with that information right after this. Thanks for sticking with me through the advertisement, and now we're going to get on to Kwang Young Kim, KK, had his first live batting practice that he pitched and faced actual hitters today. So got the opportunity to kind of listen behind the batting cage to have the, the guys kind of talk about, you know, what they were seeing from KK. And the guys to which I'm referring is a heck of a grouping. Paul Goldschmidt, Yadier Molina, Matt Carpenter. Now, you know, for KK, this is his first time seeing big league hitters. You know, pitching in the United States, he's been pitching in the KBO, had good numbers in Korea, but it's a different animal over here in the United States. And it was kind of funny to hear after the fact, KK, through his interpreter, whose name is Craig, talked to the media and spoke about how he felt today. And he said, on his first impression of facing his Cardinals teammates today, he said that hitters over here seem like they've got more strength. They're stronger than the guys that he faced in Korea. And his reasoning for saying that was because Paul Goldschmidt took him deep today on one of the very first pitches he saw from KK in batting practice. Opposite field shot to the, you know, cleared the right field fence. 
Goldschmidt hit a bomb, and I think he might have actually hit a second one, but I didn't see for sure whether that ball cleared the yard. I think it did, but I, I can't say definitively because I, I couldn't keep my eye on it, and I forgot to ask anybody else who was watching what they saw, so I don't have confirmation of that. But I saw the first one bang off of a, a batting cage or, or some kind of piece of uh, equipment there beyond the right field wall. So, yep, took KK opposite field. Um, Kim said after that it was a fastball. Uh, all he said was outside straight. That was an instance where Kim didn't need the the interpreter to articulate what he uh, he had going on with that pitch. Obviously, not quite the pitch that he wanted to serve up to Goldschmidt in that situation. But if you send a, a straight fastball at Goldie, he'll probably know what to do with it. And in that instance, he did took it to the opposite field for a home run. But it was just kind of funny to think about. Okay, Kim, it's his first time ever seeing major league batters standing in the box against him. Guy hits a home run, and you're th- you got to be thinking that's got to be overwhelming. You're like this is not what I saw in Korea. This is not what I've always known baseball to be. Maybe I'm not, you know, it, not that Kim was thinking this or said this, but you know, if it's me out there and I've got these numbers and a pedigree from a different league, and I come over here, get a little contract under me, feel good about myself, I'm coming over, I'm facing these guys. Like, all right, let's see what they got. Guy takes me deep on one of the first pitches. You know, you know, I know it wasn't a good pitch, but I still necessarily didn't expect that outcome. I'm like, man, who are these guys? These American hitters. I don't know if I'm cut out for this. But I think somebody should tell KK, by the way, Paul Goldsmith, probably one of the best hitters you're going to see on this side of the pond. Like, not everybody is like this guy. And even when you consider the rest of the group that he faced today, Yadier Molina, Matt Carpenter, those guys have a pretty good pedigree in their own right. And I looked this up. Between the three of them, they've got six Silver Slugger awards to their credit. Uh, each of them have, have won at least one. Goldsmith claims four, while Yachty and Carp both have one in their career, which the Silver Slugger rewards the best player in each league uh, at each position. So for their respective positions, at least in one season of their careers, were awarded as the best hitter at that position across the National League. Goldsmith did it four times. And another thing I thought about was like, okay, how many Hall of Famers potentially are in this group? Yachty is a guy that a lot of people think is going to be on that, you know, eventually get into the Hall of Fame, may not be on the first ballot. I know there are people who say, you know, the the, the counting stats, the offensive numbers are not there for him. I think, you know, I don't know if I'll ever get an opportunity to vote on Yachty or Molina for the Hall of Fame because, um, I, you know, just joining the BBWAA this year, you have to wait 10 years in order to earn the right to that vote. You have to cover the game for 10 years after uh, becoming eligible and getting membership in the Baseball Writers Association of America. And so if Yachty plays a few more years and then it's five years until he'll get on the ballot, if he doesn't enter in the first couple of ballots, I would in theory be able to to choose whether or not to vote for him at that time. Um, I'd have to think I would do so. But, you know, that's down the line. Don't have to make that decision today. But Yadier Molina, probable Hall of Famer at some point in time. Paul Goldsmith, you look at his numbers, I don't know if he's got quite enough as far as the counting stats and the longevity. But he's only like 31 years old, and so he'll have plenty of time to continue to rack up good seasons, especially if he bounces back a little bit off of what he did last year, which was still a good year. But if he's able to kind of extend that that peak of his career into his you know low to mid-30s for a little longer rack up more hits. I think he's around 1,300 and something hits as of right now. So if he plays successfully into his late 30s, racks up some numbers, gets 400 home runs. I think he's over 200 at this point. Uh, Goldsmith, you know, we talk about guys like Scott Rowland, other guys on the ballot that are getting some consideration in present years. 
they didn't necessarily have a ton of counting stats. You think of the 3,000 hit guys. You know, Scott Rowland wasn't one of those guys, but he's getting a lot of consideration because of what he did during his peak and what he did defensively. And when you look at Paul Goldschmidt, he is definitely not at a, a position that is as difficult defensively as playing in the hot corner at the high level that Scott Rowland did. But you look at, you know, things like wins above replacement, Scott Rowland garnering a lot of consideration because of his numbers in that regard. He had 70.2, according to baseball reference, through his career. Paul Goldsmith is at around like 43 for his career right now. So you figure five, six more solid years from Goldie. He, he plays till he's 37, 38 with good numbers. He could certainly get close to that uh, 70 number. You figure, I don't know, five more seasons, four war each season. Four might be a little bit of a lofty expectation, but certainly during his prime, those were numbers that he was easily putting up in, in many seasons. And so add 20 to 25 more wins above replacement to his career could end up near that 70 total that Scott Rowland had. So it, it, my long-winded explanation to say he's got potentially multiple Hall of Famers, baseball Hall of Famers in this group the very first time he ever faces big league hitters. I hope somebody tells him, takes him aside and says, KK, that's not representative. You're not going to face Paul Goldsmith every time you get out there. Maybe it'll condition him to to say when he does end up facing, you know, he faces the Cincinnati Reds, who, who've got a good lineup of their own. But, you know, say when he faces the Pirates, maybe would be a better example. Like, oh, man, they don't have any Paul Goldsmiths on this team. They got Josh Bell, maybe, would be their one, who's even even close in the same neighborhood at this point in his career as, as what Goldsmith brings to the table. Uh, you know, the, the kind of the caliber of hitter he is physically, mentally, uh, you know, just the, the wisdom and experience that he brings to the plate every time he steps up. And, of course, Matt Carpenter, I know fans are, are down on him a little bit, and, and rightfully so, based on the production that he provided last season. Wasn't up to par, wasn't up to his own expectations for what he brings to the plate. And and so, you know, remains to be seen what kind of hitter is he actually present day today. He'll have the chance to show that in 2020. But certainly a pedigree to his name and, and what he, he's done throughout his career, the, the mental capacity that the approach that he brings to hitting. So just all that to say, impressive group that KK faced on the first day. Goldsmith got him a couple of times. As for Yachty and Carp, uh, you know, they had a little bit of a tougher time squaring up KK. I don't want to just talk about how Goldsmith got him and then not give KK credit for uh, what I think was a, a productive day as he kind of gets integrated to baseball on this side of the pond. Uh, had several foul balls that the guys were hitting off of him, not able to square him up for some hard contact. And I think that's going to be representative of the kind of pitcher KK should end up being at the major league level, where he's going to pitch you some contact, he's going to get you to foul some balls off, and he's going to get you to hit some weak contact as well. How many swings and misses will he elicit remains to be seen. Had about nine strike, or pardon me, had about one strikeout per inning last season so nine per nine innings pitched would be the ratio for KK from a year ago not quite one per inning but but very close to that mark and did get Yachty to swing and miss through a pitch today um, so you know we'll we'll see as time goes along and KK gets the opportunity to pitch against people that aren't on his actual team uh, but I, I think all in all a good little first day for KK integrated into uh, just getting his feet wet, facing some hitters. Uh, but you might want to be careful with the Paul Goldsmith guy. He's pretty good. Wrote about the, the kind of in detail that story for KMOV today. One of the stories that I put up in addition to the Michaelis news. If you've not read that, you can find both of those things on my Twitter feed at bshafer12 or at KMOV.com as well as the Baseball STL app. Give that a download and you'll uh, be able to find all my stories there as well. Check out Facebook.com slash bshafer12 while I'm doing the rounds and the tour of uh, where you can follow me. That's another place you can do so if you would uh, like to like the Facebook page. I would appreciate that.
But, you know, we've talked about the Michaelis news and the KK, the day that was for him. Um, other takeaways from Cardinals camp before we wrap up the show for today. Certainly was fun to get to see Yadier Molina stand in against Adam Wainwright. Kind of a fun, you know, little quip that happened from that. Yadi sent a ball, lofted one high into the air, left field. Didn't get out of the park. I don't even know whether it was particularly close. But Yadi, just being Yadi, goes, oh, that's a home run. Like, that's a homer, I think is what he said. Uh, just kind of playing around with Wayno. Uh, pretty cool to be able to see that. Very special. Don't know how many more years we're going to get to see of that, of those guys, uh, you know, on the same team, the battery mates that, that have been since, you know, Wainwright came into the league in 2005 for a couple of games. But really, it was 06 that was, was his coming out party. And Yachty had a role on that 04 team. Uh, that reached the World Series and lost to the Red Sox. So these guys have been staples in the Cardinals organization for so long. And, you know, I would just say any opportunities you get to see them do their thing in 2020, appreciate it uh, because you never know when it could end up being the last time as these guys advance in their careers. Uh, Both trying to play at a high level once again. Both want to be significant parts of what the Cardinals are looking to do in 2020. But just uh, I, I definitely want to take stock every time I see that and recognize how special it is and how you you may never see anything like that again, you know, throughout the Cardinals organization. I mean, how many times can you say a pitcher and a catcher basically starting their career around the same time and to spend their entire career with the same team and to have that career end up lasting 15 years or more? In the case of Molina, it's a little bit more. In the case of Wayno, about 15 years thus far. I guess this will be technically year number 16 if you count 2005 when he pitched a couple of games in St. Louis. So, Really cool to see, and they got to face off against each other in batting practice today. I think I put a video of that on Twitter. If not, I'll I'll look and try and do so. But that was kind of cool to see. Uh, I know Carlos Martinez, a lot of people wondering about him and how he's doing this spring. Obviously, with the the opening, uh, you know, Miles Michaelis not likely to start the season in the starting rotation due to his injury. You've got now five guys. We said these things tend to take care of themselves. Been saying this for weeks, and here's an example of already how that's happened. Uh, with with Michaelis going down, you have KK and Carlos not necessarily competing against one another for a spot in the rotation. Like I tried to warn and, and caution, it never really was that that case. More than likely, if both of them stay healthy, both of them will have that opportunity to pitch in the rotation. And now that's kind of where things stand. Now you just have to hope. Okay, I hope nobody else gets hurt because then you're you're dipping a little bit deeper into uh, into the depth before the season even gets started. And, you know, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. But if that does happen, you know, we'll just see how how Alex Reyes looks, too, because he's another guy alongside Carlos that you're going to want to closely monitor throughout this spring to see how effective his stuff is. I was impressed by Reyes yesterday. Didn't get to see Carlos today uh, because I I just happened to have been on a different field. I think he was doing his live BP whenever uh, Wayno was pitching to Yachty and the like, Goldsmith in that group. So I was kind of watching that group. Flaherty pitched against that group as well. It was Wayno, Flaherty, and Kwon Young Kim in the same uh, live BP group facing that same cluster of hitters. Uh, you know, they, they get the guys that are expected to be significant parts of the team in many cases in the same group to see how they perform against those guys. And so they they certainly threw Kwon Young Kim right into the fire. And I would say, you know, mixed results. Obviously, you give up a home run. No shame in doing that to Paul Goldsmith. But I would say definitely saw reason to be confident and, and excited about what he could potentially bring to the table based on the totality of what I saw from him today. Uh, Jack Flaherty looked good. Uh, you know, it was just cool to see him do battle with with you know, the core members of the Cardinals in, in Yachty, Goldie, and Carp, And he got his work in today. Looked good. 
Uh, again, not a great impression of what Carlos did, but from what I understand, I think we'd, we would have heard if it went poorly. I didn't hear anybody talking in those terms. Uh, didn't hear anybody talk about an injury flare-up for him, so presumably he's still good to go. We'll try to find out some more about that tomorrow and how he felt in his session today. But yeah, that's basically what the takeaways were from Tuesday at Cardinals camp. The expectation is that for tomorrow, Wednesday, will be the PFP competition. Mike Schilt ran that tournament last year. It was exciting getting the guys into the swing of things with some friendly competition uh, that that you know kind of dominates one of the days of training camp. And so I think that's going to be tomorrow. Some speculation over whether that might end up getting pushed to Thursday. We'll obviously know by the next time I talk to you guys on Wednesday. So I, I'll, I'll have a breakdown of that. It's not really super interesting from a baseball perspective, but I think fans, and I hope this is the case, enjoy generally getting to see the other side of players because you get to see what they do on the field, and we get to break down and crunch the numbers all summer long, and we're going to do plenty of that. But this time of year, when when things outside the norm and outside the usual are going on, I think it is fun to kind of talk about those things and give you a little bit of an insight to the personalities of the players that sometimes they don't, don't have a chance to come out as much during the regular season. But down here in Jupiter and spring training, those certainly uh, are, are something you get to see a little bit more of. And so if you're, you're coming to Cardinals camp tomorrow, to, uh, to to take in the proceedings on the backfields. That PFP competition could be going on, uh, and that could be something that you would get to see. So if, if you're down here in Jupiter, definitely make sure to get over to the fields tomorrow um, if, in fact, that is what they, they do. I think that is the expectation. Check Twitter in the morning. You'll definitely know uh, based on what we hear from Mike Scholl around 10 a.m. local time, which is 9 a.m. St. Louis time what the plans for the day are going to be. So excited to, to get to uh, check out what that's going to entail tomorrow. Working on some other stories. Uh, I'll just go ahead and tell you, still working on a Chris Carpenter story. And I talked to Austin Dean today, a uh, guy who's competing for a spot. He's got a spot on the 40-man. Cardinals picked him up from the Marlins after he was DFA'd over there. Uh, had actually a pretty good September when I got into looking at the numbers. Had had some good numbers down the stretch for the Marlins when he was getting consistent playing opportunity. But we'll talk about him a little bit more after I, I finish up a story on him for KMOV. And that is something you can look out for, as well as the Chris Carpenter story. Over the next few days, hope to get both of those wrapped up and uh, able to be read for you guys over at KMOV.com and the Baseball STL app. Once again, I'm Brendan Schaefer. Going to wrap things up for the day. Appreciate you guys for joining me for this edition of B-Shape Daily. Make sure to subscribe to the show if you're enjoying it just as much as I'm enjoying bringing it to you. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and a whole bunch of other podcast sites that I don't remember the names to, but I know they're out there. And so if you go to the Anchor website, it's anchor.fm slash bshafer12, just like my Twitter handle, and that is where you can find a bunch of links to any possible app you could hope to, to listen to podcasts using. Um, I think SoundCloud is really the only one it is not supported, uh, but there's so many options. There's no way that you could not find one suitable if you're enjoying the show. Appreciate you guys for listening. I will talk to you tomorrow from Jupiter, Florida. Until next time, this has been the presentation of the latest. Be safe daily. Have a good day, everybody.